He said, just this morning, we went up to the guardhouse and we said, excuse me, do you know Jesus? And she was like, yes, I do. And he said, are you following him with all your heart? And she said, yes, I am. And they said, well, tell us about it. And she said, well, about an hour ago, a young man came in and he gave me this little blue track and he told me uh, to read it. And so I read it and I, I really liked it. And I read and I prayed the prayer in the back and something happened in my heart. Now I'm following Jesus. Hi, welcome to the One Link Podcast. So glad you're with us here today. I'm here today with my friend Matt and uh, two new friends, Dallas and Tannis, and we're continuing our conversation about evangelism. So I met Matt uh, back on the OU campus shortly after I joined OneLink, and he met me, and we were talking, and he kind of told me his testimony, and he said, hey, you know, I'm one of my things is I'm responsible for, you know, creating a culture of evangelism here at OU. And he said, you know what, if you want, you and I could go out on the campus and share together. And I just joined OneLink, and I thought, you know, that sounds great. I think I'll exactly do that. And so we got to go out, and uh, that was uh, wonderful. It was a good experience, learned some stuff. One of the distinctives that I found with Matt is that he uses tracks. I think, you know, in our cool age today where we're hip, cool, digital, all these things, we kind of downplay tracks and um, almost as though that's below us. But he has some really great stories of how God has used that. And so let's jump in with Matt. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm thankful to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm thankful to have Dallas and Tannis too. I'll tell you what, I read in a book called Look What God Is Doing by Dick Eastman. And it's he's from a ministry called Every Home for Christ. And I read it. I read that book and it quotes the Joshua Project, which is another resource that people use a lot. Another great book. But the Joshua Project claimed that more than half of the believers in the world would attribute their salvation to the written page, whether that's actual Bible or piece of the Bible or gospel literature. And so more there's there's more believers in this planet, according to them, there's more believers on the planet that have become to Christ through the written page than there have been through people verbally giving witness. That's just something to wrap your mind around. I mean, for me, when I read that, I was like, what? Because I'm, I'm just like you, James. I was like, I didn't think it was a big deal to share tracks or or necessarily very effective but the reason I was doing it before I read that was that I thought, man, what, even if it's not that effective, like, why would you not do something that could potentially be life changing for somebody? I'll tell you a little bit how I got started and all this, but let me just tell you, like, just come right out the gate with this guy that came and joined us, Tannis, because he's got a story of a gospel track changing his life. And it was obviously it was God, but God used a gospel track in Tannis's life. So I can tell you more about why, but. If you want to let Tannis go, he's... Yeah, tell us that story, Tannis. Yeah, so I'll cut this. I'll cut the story short to the bread and butter, you know. <laughs> but we'll still make it a good story. Don't cut out the good parts. No, we'll, we'll make it a good story. So, yeah, for a long time, I just like I struggled with a lot of drugs, uh, addiction, a lot of hard stuff, just for years and years and years, really struggling with that. And then eventually the drugs kind of faded away, and I was left with just kind of all the mental illness and turmoil that comes along with doing these substances at such a young age, just a lot of, you know, brain issues and perception and anxiety and all these different things. And I was always on the, I was in this whole time period. I was like, ever since I was a kid, I've always searched for like the meaning of life. You know, I went down so many different paths with spirituality and 
Hinduism and Buddhism and all these other things I tried and I was just trying to find like what was the truth, what was real. But I remember uh, one night it was like 3 a.m. in my bedroom. And this was just like a hard period. I was like going through a lot of psychosis episodes from uh, detoxing off the drugs and stuff. And I was watching a video and it was just talking about revelation. And this whole time of living in my mom's house, I was in this bedroom, Matt like shared gospel tracks with me. And just while I was outside skateboarding or going on a walk or like trying to like, you know, get the mail or something, he'd come out and be like, let me pray for you. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, get away, get away. He was my next door neighbor. Yeah, he was my next door neighbor, like literally right next to me. And I don't know why I was always so like hesitant towards the like the Bible. I'm not sure why that is, you know, spiritual warfare. But I would always say yes, and I'd always take whatever he gave me because I felt like if I threw it away, it was it just felt wrong. <laughs> I always just like held it anyway. And I, you know, it was under my bed or scattered on the floor or whatever. I didn't take care of it very well, but I had like tons of tracks like under my bed. And I just like I knew that in the back of my mind. So this night that like this guy was talking about Jesus on the internet, and I was like, okay, this is it. Let me just let me figure this out. I was like, I know I got a track around here somewhere. And I just like scrounged around my room, throwing all the clothes around. I found a Bible track. Uh, I don't have one in my room right now. I was going to just the Billy Graham blue classic. Yeah. Just like that. And I just read it page by page. I went through the entire thing and this just like overwhelming vibrating presence just entered my room. It was like, honestly, I can only explain it by being like the Holy spirit really just showed up. I was terrified because I was like, you know, I was like, I'm a sinner. Like, I'm not saved. I was like, it was like, this is like insane. And I asked Jesus to save my, like, come into my life. And I repented of my sins through this track. And I woke up the next morning and it was just like a new world. I remember telling Matt, I was like, look at these flowers. I was like, they're so bright. The colors are crazy. Like, it was like this, like, veil was ripped apart. But it was just this Bible track that was just slung underneath my bed, like, months and months and months later was used and even when I first got it I wasn't receptive to it but just having that resource close by around even if it was in somebody's car or you know in the bottom of their hamper or something who knows you know yeah so I think right there just see like first uh, Peter 123 being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever and I mean so it's like you know my presentation my even the building of my relationship with another person, like that falls short from saving people. You know what I mean? Like the only thing that saves people is God's word. You know, it's Jesus that saves people, but he does it through his word. That's the incorruptible seed, the word of God. And first Peter, two verses later, first Peter one twenty five, by the word of God, which uh, whereby the gospel is preached unto you. Like that's how God's word gets preached to us is through his word, his gospel comes to us. And, and so, you know, I might've shared a couple of verses here or there verbally with Tannis. I don't really remember, but I want I, I think the most important thing to remember that it was God's word is that what worked in Tannis's life. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. James one twenty one. It says we should lay aside wickedness and, and, uh, and receive the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls, you know? And, and so to like, magnify our role in someone's salvation, I think is an error, you know, to think that we have to have a relationship with them or we have to be a part of that. God can use those things and it's, and it's wise and effective to pursue those things, but it's not what you should rely on. And so for me, when you hand someone a gospel tract, it's, there's nothing, there's no reason that this person should be 
change forever unless it's from God. You know what I mean? And so like, so when I hand it out, I'm just sharing seeds, like literally what Jesus told us to do in Mark 4, he tells the parable of the sower and he's just the sower, Mark 4, 14, the sower sows the word. That's what the sower does. You know, the sower didn't go out and be friends with the soil or, or make friends with all the plants around it or, or decide what type of soil it even is. He throws the seed everywhere. And so this morning I went on a walk with my boys I'm, I'm glad that this kind of comes to mind because you're talking about I didn't plan this or nothing, but we were going on a walk and we go for just one lap around the thing because I had to go to work, you know, and it's kind of early. So we just had time for one lap around the, our little neighborhood. And so we go for a walk. And as soon as we walk outside, I have, a, I have two boys, uh, four, uh, he's almost four and as Titus and Hank is almost two. So we walk outside and the first, I can't even get Hank outside the door. Titus is already out there. He said, Dada, Dada. He calls me Dada. He said, Dada, Dada, look. And I look over and there's a, a guy in a work truck and there's a pest control guy and he's knocking on the door of our neighbor. He goes, Dad, share Jesus. And I said, oh, well, hey, buddy, here's your track. You share Jesus. And he says, okay. And so he uh, he says, well, I kind of want you to. And I said, well, I'll go with you. And he says, okay. So so Titus, he doesn't know how to build rapport with anyone or, you know, at that age. I mean, he's a, he's a charming little guy, but he doesn't know to like make friends with strangers. But he walks up to that stranger and he says, he goes, you know, hands him the little track up. He doesn't even necessarily know what to say, but he hands him that track. And the guy says, oh, thank you. you know, and I'm behind him. And I said, yeah, it's a book about Jesus. You know, it's about how we can know for sure our sins are forgiven. I hope you have a great day. What's your name? He said, oh, it's Justin. So we, so as we walk off, we pray for Justin. And then on the, later on the, on the few houses down, a package truck pulls up. And I said, Titus, do you want to share with this guy? And he said, no. I said, Hank. And then Hank doesn't even <laughs> say stuff yet, but Hank grabs the track. And walks straight up to the truck. I have to go get him so he doesn't get in the street. But he walks straight up to the guy, Cameron, we find out later. And he hands Cameron a gospel track. And so, I mean, my boys, I mean, they're, they're able, like, to be used of God, you know, not because they're special, but they've got a little booklet with God's word in it. And God's word is that powerful that even a little word on a printed page. And when I was sharing with Candace, I mean, there was nothing glamorous. You could, You heard him. He was... He would run back inside because here's that weird guy again coming out to talk to me. But I didn't have any smooth transition. I wasn't like turning my hat around backwards and sitting down in a chair reverse, you know, and, and trying to relate to him. I just said, hey, man, you're my neighbor. Here's a book about Jesus. Like, God bless you. Can I pray for you? And, and you know, I wouldn't say we were friends or even necessarily, but we definitely acquainted with each other. And Tannis knew I loved him, but uh, but I wasn't like smooth or, you know, great. I was a little bit awkward, but one of my... Uh, a guy who's a role model of mine and, and influenced me some is uh, Paul Wooster. And he told me one time, nobody's ever died from, from awkward. <laughs> so that's a good thing to remember when you're handing out a track. So tracks are powerful because they really can change people's lives. But another reason a tract is great is because you can use it to share the gospel with someone you are friends with. Like even if like we have a guy in our Bible study, Dallas and I have a Bible study on campus we have a guy who prayed to receive Christ. We shared the gospel with him through a gospel track. He prayed to receive Christ this semester. Although we, we were pretty sure, as we found out later, he's probably already a Christian from about a year ago, but he just didn't know enough to grow or, or walk with God yet. But he, he, we think he's a Christian a year ago, but at the time he prayed to receive Christ. And then he goes about a couple months later, he goes home to his aunt, his aunt's house, and he walks his aunt through the gospel track. This brand new believer who doesn't really know all that much, but he walks through the track, just like turn the page and reads, turns a page and reads, uh, reads, turns a page and reads. 
and he leads his aunt to Christ. And this is just a brand new baby believer. He didn't have all the Bible memorized. He didn't have a bunch of understanding of the gospel, but he knew he could walk through the track. And so actually sharing with people you already know. And another great thing about tracks is you can train people with them. You know, uh, when you and I went out on the campus, James, you know, it's pretty simple. We just approach people and when we're talking about people about Jesus, can we ask a few questions? We have some questions that lead to, hey, would you like to read this track together? And uh, when they read it, we read through it. If they don't want to, they don't, we don't. But the thing is, is that you can have someone get trained. They don't have to memorize a whole lot of things to get started in sharing the gospel. They can go right away. And that's why I brought Dallas. Dallas and I spent some time together. You remember when we went to Atwoods to pick up water bottles? Yep. Yeah. And I was wondering if you want to tell them just a little bit about how you got started and what a track, you know, what role a track came in that. Oh, sure. So um, I uh, started sharing with the track because that's what Matt did. And I mean, I look up to Matt and just saw how he did it and saw that it was easy. So I started too. And the first time I really saw him do it, I guess in public was when we went to Atwoods and it was just as simple as, Hey, how are you doing? What's your name to the cashier? And it's like, okay, well, here's a little book about Jesus. You know, he saved my life 10 years ago and um, hope you have a blessed day. And like, it's that simple. Yeah. I carry them in a little plastic bag. I used to carry one or two, but I found I'd run out. So now I carry a big old bag Sometimes I have like 30 or 40 in there and my pocket looks weird. But by the end of the day, if it's a good day, hopefully you whittle that down to where your pocket isn't bulging anymore. You can share with some tracks. Another, another good story. If you want another story about this is that now there's a lot of, you know, this is like the ESPN highlight reel. This is like, da 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 da. you know, like everybody's doing slam dunks and it's like, yeah, of course we're talking about the good things. I've also seen, I've also handed it to a, a guy at a restaurant before and he put it by the cashier counter was after I ordered the food and then the owner of the restaurant came in and he was talking to me. He didn't know me, but he was talking to me as his customer and he didn't know that I'd given the track out, but he, he picked the track up right in front of me, looks at it and thumbs through the end. And, and then just as he's talking to me, just tears it into pieces. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like right in front of me. And I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's cool. You know? And so like, there's, there's defeat. I mean, sometimes you, sometimes people say, Oh, why would you, why are you sharing with that? And I, an interesting side note, I found that some of the people that get the most upset are the ones that claim to be Christians. They get like offended that you like you, as if you think they're not a Christian. And I'm like, no, I, I'm sharing with everybody. You know, I've heard a lady tell me, young man, I've been saved for 25 years. I don't need that track. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm very sorry. You know what I mean? I was like, so, I mean, I've had people come at me before, but not, not very violent or anything, but, but like, I've had people reject me all the time. And that's no problem because Ecclesiastes 11.6 says, in the morning, sow your seed. And then the evening, do not withhold your hand for you. Do not know which one shall prosper, either this or that. Or maybe they both will be alike good. And so for us to try to determine beforehand if the outcome is going to be good or bad, I think that's an error. Because two verses earlier, Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, he who observes the clouds shall not reap. And he who regards the wind shall not sow. Basically, it means like, hey, if you just want to look around for an excuse not to share, there's always an excuse to not share. <laughs> like, I don't need more excuses. In fact, I got one time I ran out of tracks and I thought, oh, I can't share with that guy. I don't have any more tracks. And I thought, wait a minute, a track is supposed to help you share. It's not supposed to keep you from sharing. So I was like, oh, I had to. Sometimes you fall into these habits that aren't leading you the right way. But the main thing is the gist of it is that these are helpful. And so there's a, a woman named Deborah. Is this the story about the conference? Yes, the conference. Okay, in the, that's the one I want to hear. Okay, good, good. So Deborah, Deborah, uh, I go to a conference that they were uh, they were having it at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. It was called Together Twenty Two, and it was a big deal, uh, the biggest big old thing, you know, down there. 
So I went down to go be a part of that conference. I wanted to see it. So that I found out beforehand that they were doing three days before the conference started, they were doing street evangelism. And I didn't know what that meant, like what they meant, thought that meant. I, I wanted to see it. So I, I went down for those meetings to do the street evangelism. So they met once in the morning and once in the afternoon. And I decided I'd do both. You know, I once wanted to see what they do. So I go down there. I got my, you know, big old trash bag full of tracks and everything. I don't really carry my trash bag, but, you know, it's a big sack. And so I carry them out there. I'm going driving into this cotton bowl. There's a woman in the guard station. I ask her for directions of how to get to the building. She tells me where to go. And I said, oh, thank you very much. And then I drive off. And I thought, I missed it. You know, I was like, Lord, I could have shared with her. And I kept driving and I thought, no, that's not right. I don't need to go to this evangelism meeting when I'm not even willing to share with somebody. I was like, I'm going to go back there and share with her. I'm not going to go to this evangelism meeting and pretend I'm some kind of evangelist if I'm not going to share with this lady. So I turned around, I went back. There she was standing outside the guardhouse and she was smoking a cigarette. And she was also a different race than me, which doesn't mean anything, but Satan will use anything and everything he can to keep you from sharing. And I thought, I didn't even think it was my own thoughts. I think it was the devil putting these thoughts in my mind. But he said, you can't share with her. She's going to think that you're, you just think she's a non-Christian because she's smoking. She's going to think you're judging her. She's going to think that because you're such and such race and she's such and such race that you can't share with her because you're judging her. And all these different thoughts went through my head. But I thought, no, I've already determined in my life that I know it's the right thing to do. I want to share. And so there might be a couple of times here and there where you shouldn't share, but I, I, I can't think of very many good reasons not to share. So I, so I went to share with her. And I said, hey, thank you for sharing me with me about how to get to that place. I wanted to give you this booklet. It was a blessing to me, and I just wanted you to have it and see if you'd read it when you have a break. She said, oh, sure, baby. Thank you very much. And she even put her cigarette down, you know, and, and took it. So I drive off, go to my evangelism meeting. We go through, there's a guy, fast forward through, come back that afternoon, and I go back to go to the next evangelism meeting, and there's this man from Australia, who I end up becoming friends with, but this man from Australia, he's there to do evangelism, and he's a bold witness guy. He, he doesn't use tracks, but boy, he's a bold guy. In fact, he thought it was really interesting that I was using tracks, but anyway, he's a real bold guy, and he tells me, hey, the Lord is moving, the Lord is moving, and I say, really? Like, Tell me about it. What's he doing? And he said, just this morning, we went up to the guardhouse and we said, excuse me, do you know Jesus? And she was like, yes, I do. And he said, are you following him with all your heart? And she said, yes, I am. And they said, and that was the first lady they had talked to that responded positively toward all the things that they had been asking people. And they said, well, well, tell us about it. And she said, well, about an hour ago, a young man came in and he gave me this little blue track and he told me uh, to read it. And so I read it. And I, I really liked it. And I read and I prayed the prayer in the back and something happened in my heart. Now I'm following Jesus. And the guy was like, well, that's incredible. And they started talking and everything. So I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I'm the guy that gave her that track. Was her name Deborah? And he's like, yes, it was Deborah. And I was like, and he's like, oh, the Lord is moving. The Lord is. And I was like, wow, he is moving. This is great. So we just had a great time of fellowship in the car as we were driving. To, so after that, I went back to see her the next day. Uh, she wasn't there. She had gone home from work. But the next day I came to visit her for the evangelism meeting. So I stayed with her. I was even late to the evangelism meeting because I knew follow-up. You get me started on that. But follow-up is more important, I believe, than getting after more evangelism. So following up those believers. So so anyway, I'm trying to follow her up. She asked for five tracks. I give her five tracks. And then I come back the next day and she had given all her tracks away. So I gave her uh, 50 tracks. I gave her two packs of 25. I gave her 50 tracks. And the next day she had given all of them away. 
And, and that next day was the last day of the conference. So I gave her, I gave her 250 tracks. I brought a thousand with me to the conference. I gave her 250 and I said, Deborah, it pleases the Lord when you share these, these tracks with people and then you share your testimony. It doesn't make you right with God. That already happened from Jesus, but, but it does, but he is excited when you do that. So a, a few months later, about six months later, I was driving to an evangelism, doing an evangelism workshop at a conference called KMI in Wichita Falls. I love that conference, but I was going to do a, it was my first time to ever do a workshop there. And I was driving there and I thought, you know what, I'd like to use her as an example. I better call her and see how she's doing. Cause I don't want to just tell some story if it's not, you know, real. So I called her up and she, she's answers the phone. She says, Oh, I know this is from God because you know, did you know what, what, uh, what separated me from God as was what the term she uses. She says, my mother died and I got so mad and angry and bitter at God. And I just never would forgive God. But when you came that day, and my mother's been dead for years, but when you came that day and you gave me that book, I knew God was telling me, Hey, I want you back. Like, I want you to come back. It wasn't, you know, like, I love you. And so she read that book, got it right with God. And she said, I know this is from God because that day I was driving up to the conference to call her was her mother's birth. And I was asking her, like, you know, she just knew that was from God is what she said. So I asked her about how she's been doing. She said, yes, every time the Cotton Bowl has an event, I bring my Walmart sacks full of tracks and I bring them up there and I share and I give them all away to all the people that go by my guardhouse. And I thought, man, like that is cool. Like only God can do that. Cause I didn't model that to her or show her or train her or anything like that. That's just something that God did. And it happened through a little tiny track. It wasn't through my ministry or my, you know, awesome strategies or, or any of my great life or anything like that. It just happened from giving out a little gospel track and God used it. Well, let me ask you this. Actually, let me say something first. You know, uh, tracks can be really useful. And when you get overseas, your host may have a different plan or a specific plan they wanted you to use for evangelism. But when we were overseas, you know, we had several different tracks that we used. And one time I used one of them on a bus. Uh, it was the four spiritual laws that had been translated into the language. You know, and it might not be the way that I would say was the best missiological way to do it, but it worked. You know, so tracks can be really useful. You know, Matt, one of the things that I admire about you is your ability to seemingly push through awkward. Uh, how do you do that? What's your mindset in dealing with awkward situations in sharing? In fact, even like when you and I went out sharing, you know, we'd come up to somebody and they'd say they were a Christian and you still went through the whole track with them. And, you know, in my heart, I'm like, oh, this is awkward. I feel awkward. How do you push through awkward? <laughs> My heart's doing the same thing, James, absolutely. But Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so I, I just know that anything that's coming from my flesh and from my, my heart, I know is not necessarily completely evil, but, it, but it's able to deceive me and it is desperately wicked. You know, and so it could be some, even a wicked person tells the truth once in a while. So your feelings aren't like to be tossed out the window. But, but basically, I try to go by what does God's word say? And I think of the Apostle Paul, you know, I normally think of him as like, I think most of us in Christian world would think, oh, Paul was so bold. He, he preached the gospel and he got stoned and then went back into the, you know, in the same city and, and you know, preached again. But 1 Corinthians 2, 3 says, Paul is writing, he says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And so what I tell guys all the time is like, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be feel awkward. But you just want to ask God to put your trust in him to be just higher than that awkward feeling. And so, boy, if you want to see some awkward, you should go with us and do door-to-door evangelism. Because when you go up to your neighbor's door and you knock 
I mean, it takes everything I have just to knock, but I just know whenever I set my feet to do it, I just say, God, help me trust you. Help me trust you. I don't even know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to go knock on that door and trust you. And a lot of times when I go to talk to a person and I mean, I've had some really awkward stuff, but I'll, I'll go to talk to a person. I'll just say, okay, God, I don't know what I'm going to do or what I'm going to say, but I'm going to set my feet to just move that way. And I want to trust you because Second Chronicles 69, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself mighty on the behalf of those whose hearts are fully trusting in him. And so I, I just believe God's looking around. He doesn't need slick people to, you know, convince people to become a Christian. He's looking for guys that trust him and he's looking around. And I just want to be a, one of those guys that trust God. So just ask God to help you trust him. And it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be awkward. Just ask for God to increase your faith so that you can be trusting him through that awkward stuff. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, I know I said we'd end at uh, 1.30, but I lied. Uh, you just have too <laughs> no many problem. good stories. Uh, two things I want to ask you before we end. First, what does follow-up look like, especially as you're handing out literally thousands of tracks? Tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so one thing that, that I want to remember in follow-up too is that I tell guys all the time, Ecclesiastes 3.14. This is a good one for evangelism too, but for everything. Ecclesiastes 3.14. For I know that whatsoever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away. And God does it this way so that people should fear before him. Ecclesiastes 3.14. So, so you, I know that I'm not adding to God's work and I'm not taking away from it. So when I share with somebody and it goes bad, I didn't mess that up. I didn't make that person less awkward. I might have, by my carelessness or rudeness, I might have withdrawn my participation in God's work, you know, from doing it, but I didn't take away from God's work. Even the guy on the megaphone that's screaming all kind of mean things, he's not taken away from God's work. Like he's just, he might not remove himself from being a part of it, but he's not, he's not taken away from God's work. He's just, God is just fine. So I always remember that and remember that in evangelism, but also in follow-up, God doesn't need me to take care of every single spiritual baby. He's the best spiritual parent in the world. And he can take care of his children without me, whether I'm a great, you know, steward of, of being a physical, a spiritual daddy or not, God will do his work and, and he doesn't need me, but I do want to be the best steward that I can be. So for me with Deborah, I don't think it was that I needed to move my family from Norman, Oklahoma down to Dallas, Texas to follow her up. But, but I was every day that I was there, I was at her guardhouse and I was ready to give up evangelism to, to follow her up. I mean, I bet I spent a couple hours in her guardhouse, you know, maybe, it may be less than that, but, but I've spent phone calls and I spent a lot of times too. One of the things that you'll find in evangelism, it's true in evangelism and in, in follow-up is prayer, like prayer, prayer, prayer. Because as J.O. Frazier said, prayer is not the, or the ministry is not like the abundance of, of, you know, answers to prayer. It's like prayer is the ministry. Like, like the idea is like, that's, that's where the real work happens, both in evangelism and follow-up. So like Tannis down there, even before he became a Christian, I had set up to pray for him every day. In fact, I told his mother that one time, Jimmy and I, Jimmy, another great one link uh, veteran and, and guy, Jimmy and I met for discipleship for a long time. And I, he's been following guys up. And we got another guy who, who Jimmy got to be a part of him coming to Christ. And he's now a, one of our one link leaders. And anyway, great guy. But blah, blah, blah. Jimmy and I are cleaning my gutters one time and Tannis's mom is out there. And I said, Hey, by the way, I've been, I just started, uh, I've been praying for you guys for a long time. And, you know, cause I, I always want to pray for my neighbors. And I said, but your, uh, your son, I just started praying for him a couple weeks ago. And she looked at me like, oh. and I was like, what's that? And she said, 
he just moved home two weeks ago. And that's like when Tannis like had a part of his story was that he, he just one day woke up in a bad place and was like, I got to quit drugs. And he just walked home for like hours. And that was like literally could have been the day. It was a very, at least very close to the day that I started praying for him. And it was like, it wasn't until like a year later that he became a Christian, but I prayed for him every day, every day, every morning, every morning he's on a list. And so praying for Dallas for a long time too. And then I feel like that's a lot of times the things you see are answers to prayer. So, but following up to answer your question, you got to get with that person. You got to remember, it's not all relying on you. That's what I want to say is it's not, oh, just do this and everything will work out. You're relying on God in evangelism and in follow-up, but you've got to get with that person and you've got to get that person in the word because you're not going to teach them everything they need to know. But if you'll get them to have a quiet time, they can learn everything they need to know from God, the word. Oh yeah. You know, that's, that is 1000% true, especially for one link people, you know, you're going to have a language barrier when you get overseas, but if you can get them in the word that's been translated into their language, in the language that God's going to speak to them most often in, man, God will do great things with that. Let me ask you this, Matt. So I know you came to faith later in life, and I wonder in part if that's kind of what gave you some of this passion for evangelism that you have. Tell our listeners how you came to faith. Yeah. So I grew up in a Christian home. Parents loved the Lord. I went to church all the time, but it never really had like a personal connection with God. I never thought about him. I never even thought of him as a person. I just knew that there's like some God up there and there's some rules and there's good and bad. That's basically my spiritual you know, thinking. But it wasn't until I was about 28 years old. After I finished college, I bought a one-way ticket. I moved to the Caribbean. I became a boat captain. I was sailing the world. I had everything in a backpack. I was living the crazy party life and, and just chasing everything the world had to offer and, and uh, had an exciting job. And I really thought I was living on top of the world. I didn't think life could get any better. And at 28, my back got hurt. I couldn't walk for a couple of days. And uh, really for a long, for weeks, I was really kind of debilitated, but I couldn't walk for a couple of days. I couldn't even walk. And I started reading the Bible. My sweet grandmother who's passed away, but she's, uh, she sent me Bibles and prayed for me all the time. So I always had a Bible nearby. And when I, I couldn't throw, I was like Tannis, I wouldn't dare throw a Bible away. But when I moved, I would just leave it in my apartment or wherever I leave, left. I just leave it there because I didn't want to, you know, carry a Bible around, but I'd, I'd always have one. And so I grabbed a Bible and I started reading because I didn't have a phone, computer, internet, TV. I just didn't have anything else to do. I'm just in an apartment hurt in the Caribbean. I started reading the Bible, began to see that my life didn't line up with what scripture talked about. I didn't even know scripture because I'd never read it. And uh, I started asking God for help. I told him, I was like, I really would like to keep sinning, but if I need to change, like you have to change me. Like I just thought I'd be honest with him. You know, if, if he knows everything anyway, I just be honest with him. I was like, Hey, I don't really want to do any of this stuff, but if you need to change, and then it's when Romans 5, 1 hit me, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I realized everything that needed to happen to me to be a Christian had happened on the cross. And Jesus had finished everything that needed to happen. And I just needed to trust in him by faith. So I, I asked Jesus to come in my life and help me. And I started walking with God. I had a hunger for his word. But fortunately, at the right time, I ran into a guy who was a disciple maker. And he picked up on that. I had this hunger for God's word and he actually used it. I had moved back to Texas at this point to look for a church and he moved. He, he sort of was used by God to take my passion for God's word and turn it into a, a discipline instead of just like a hot flash where, Oh, I read my Bible all the way through for like, it took me three months and then you never touch the Bible again. 
but it, it really got me into, into reading God's word every day consistently. And it's been going on for years now. And I'm thankful. Another guy helped me show me how to memorize scripture that helped me. But when I moved to the OUBCM or to Norman to work at the OUBCM, Micah Englehart, which is David Englehart's son, Micah Englehart, I was brand new on staff. I didn't know beans when the bag was open, but here I come, I'm on staff and I'm, you know, God's helped me. And Micah Englehart tells me, hey, we can go do campus evangelism. I said, well, what is that? Because I've been talking to everybody about Jesus. I'd never seen a tract. I didn't know anything about tracts at this point, but I was like, I'm, I'll talk to people about Jesus all the time. I didn't do it very well, but I was doing it. And he said, yeah, we go to the, do the campus and do campus evangelism. So I went with him and he, I said, how do you talk to people? Because I talk to people all the time and no one wants to talk to me. He said, well, college campus is different. There's people out there that are adults. They're thinking for themselves and they have lots of time on their hands. And so well, sure enough, we go out there and we say, hey, we're talking to people about Jesus. Can we ask you a few questions? And they say yes. And I was shocked. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And I found even in regular life, not even just college, but like if you'll ask people to talk to you, a lot of them will. He who sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully, Galatians 6, 7. So the more people you talk to, the more people will say yes. That's just a given. But it you still may take a lot of asking. But anyway, he got me started in how to approach people that way. And then John Repass, who's a longtime disciple maker, who actually discipled the guy who discipled me at first, he showed me how to walk through the track. And he's actually the guy that trained me how to train others to get started. So I, I've never seen anybody take to sharing just because they hung around with me and started talking like I did or anything like that. But I've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of guys get started with sharing. Not, not that this is the best way to share or the most effective way to share, but it's, but Philippians 4, 9 says those things which you have both learned and heard and received and seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. And I've seen guys just see this in you and they can do it because it's simple. Yeah. As Steve Shadrach said, this is the last thing I'll tell you about follow up and get, sorry. Steve Shadrach told me one time, he said, if you walk away from a discipleship meeting or from trying to train somebody and they think, wow, that guy was really spiritual. Like you, you failed, like you lost. I mean, why, like, what am I, if I go hang out with LeBron James and he shows me how to do a reverse and slam dunk, well, that's great, but I'm not, I can't do that. But he said, if you walk away from something, like he said, I read a page, they read a page. I read a page, they read a page. And he said, if you come away with it and they say, well, that was easy. That was so simple. Anybody could do that. That's when you succeeded. And, and that's when they, when they know they can do it. That's when you have success in the spiritually training somebody. And especially for them to train someone else. So that's kind of what I rely on with tracks. It's not that it's the best way or most effective way, but it is a really fantastic way to train others, to train others. Hey, I really appreciate you being on here. In fact, I appreciate all three of you guys being on here. Real quick, where do you get your tracks, uh, Steps to Peace with God? Yeah, you can get a, the, the biggest discount I've found is if you go to billygrambookstore.com, Google it, and if you'll buy... Well, you probably don't want to buy that many at first, but basically, I don't remember how many, I think it's 250 packs of 25, which I think equals, not because I'm a math major, but because I've ordered it several times. I think it's like 6,250 or so, somewhere around there. It's like 6,125 or something like that. But basically you get a whole bunch. It's only three boxes. It's only like, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's not like enormous going to take up your whole garage. It's only like three fairly small boxes. They're heavy. They're real heavy, mm -hmm. but, uh, but you can get those and that'll last, that usually lasts me a few years. Uh, if I get 6,000 or so you get them for the cheapest that way, but you can also just buy a pack of 25 at Mardell's and you don't have to use just this track, but the guy who discipled me, the guy who discipled him, who discipled him wrote it. It was Charlie Riggs, Gene Moore, 
and Don Tab wrote this book for Billy Graham. And then Gene War, Charlie Riggs discipled Gene War. They both wrote it together. And then Gene War discipled John Repass, and John Repass has been discipling me. So it's not, I don't do that. I didn't know that when I started using these tracks, but I actually have a little family tree connection. So I love that too. And it helped me. It blessed me. There was a time, sorry to tell you one more story. There was a time I drove up to campus one day and here I am. I've been a college minister for four years or almost five years at this point. And I'm driving up to campus and I have never had doubts since the day I became a Christian. I really didn't have very many doubts. I'm just being honest with you. I didn't, I was just kind of hundred percent gung-ho I was a I was a hundred percent gung ho sinner, and I became a hundred percent gung ho, you know, Christian. But I drove one day and I started having doubts. And I thought, Do I, am I really a Christian? Like, is it really that easy? Like, like I'm still no better than I used to be. Like, like all, I had all these kind of doubts creep in, and I thought, no, that's not right. I believe this track. I've been helping guys believe it. I've been leading others to believe it. I'm going to use it myself. So I grabbed this track. This has been like three years ago or something. Now I grabbed this track. I read it. I said, Jesus. I know this is true. And if I didn't become a Christian when I was in second grade, and if I didn't become a Christian when I was a sophomore in high school, and if I didn't become a Christian when I was 28 years old, I'm becoming a Christian now and I'm settling it for good. And I prayed the prayer in the back and I said, now by faith, I'm just trusting in what the Bible says, not my own experience, not enough. And so even this track blessed me, like in my personal walk. And I just have an assurance based on the Bible, not based on the sinner's prayer, but just based on what did Jesus say? What did he say he would do? He said, I would call uh, anyone who called the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I called on the name of the Lord and I trust that I'm saved. So that's pretty much how it blessed me. And just get sharing, you know, if you, if nothing else, you don't have to use a track, but just if you're out there listening, like if you have any doubts, just ask God, to help you. He's, he, wa- he wants to share with people more than you do. And Isaiah 43, 10, probably my last verse, you're my witnesses, says the Lord, so that you may know and understand me and you may believe that I am he. For before me, there was no God sent, neither shall there be after me, Isaiah 43, 10. So like God wants you to share, not so because he needs you to share, but because he loves you and he wants you to get to know him better. And if you want to get to know God, then you got to be busy doing what God's doing and he's seeking and saving the lost. Well, that's awesome. So I appreciate you guys being on here. I know it was very meaningful for me. I hope it was for the listeners as well. I can definitely tell I'm going to need to get you back on one of these days to talk about Scripture memory. I'll bring these guys with me. They're, they're, they're working at it, man. They're doing great. Well, listeners, thanks for being on the One Link podcast. Hope this has been encouraging to you. I got a, another excellent guest lined up for next week. So excited about that. Uh, stay tuned until then. 